0: Lost Talk Radio.
1: Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures. This is a friend of mine for the 200th episode called it historic. I will take that as a compliment that I did not say to feed my own ego, but I guess that means 300 would be historic. Uh, Briefly, I'm going to introduce the guests soon, but I remember the First day I recorded this with Mr. Miles Doliak for The Historian. I thought, okay, this is going to go 10 episodes. Maybe I have 15 friends that will come on, and then we'll just cancel it after a month. Here we are going on three and a half, closer to four years later this September. Today's guest is Miss Anna Musso. Uh, She is an award-winning independent director She's a film school graduate. I'm pretty sure she has her master's of fine arts. Uh, She's won some big festivals like uh, the Chicago International, Aspen Shorts Fest. Uh, She won a special award at Santa Barbara International. Uh, Oh, this is cool. She She won a jury award at a festival that a film I consulted on was in. So that's quite an honor. Uh, I will get into how I met Anna. It's a really cool special story that I have probably only told two people, but the last couple episodes, we've been sharing some personal stories. Uh, Anna is, she epitomizes what our show is about, which all people do. They've went from student to indie or student to indie to studio. Uh, But Anna being a friend and a friend of the show and actually, I forgot to look last night. She was either our fifth or seventh guest. so And she also came by for episode 200. Uh, So I thought it would be suiting because she has this great story of going uh, from film school to working on one of the holiday releases of This Last uh, Christmas. And she's got a lot of great insight. She's an intelligent filmmaker. I was once writing a a Filmmaker Friday series and a Women in Film. And I said, could I ask you to be uh, in the Women in Film? And she just said, could I be in the Filmmaker Friday? And I thought that kind of summed it up. And that was a couple years ago. That was more than this was before the podcast. So um, that shows you that she thinks like me uh, before I bring her in. It was a very cool thing that she said she wanted to be in the filmmaker Friday because it showed that she also epitomizes what the show is about because she sees filmmakers as filmmakers and not, oh, this was so great because it was directed by a man or woman. So I see we have a caller in our queue. Is that Anna? It is. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. How, Thank how you. are you today? Thank you
0: so much for having me. I'm doing well, thanks. How you doing?
1: I'm I'm doing good. It's a little bit overcast and gloomy down here in Orange County, but other than that, it's it's episode three hundred and you're on with us. So what could I possibly complain about?
0: <laughs> well, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I really
1: appreciate oh, it. Of course, of course. I let them know you are, I think you are our fifth or seventh guest, and then you came back for 200, so we appreciate. Uh, one last thing I want to say for new listeners, new guests, people that are going to hear this, there's nothing we tell the guests they want to hear. We're not that kind of show, so um, any compliments or anything like that are not to uh, you know, blow smoke. And also, all opinions, because a few things we'll discuss, are of the guest and of the host. They don't reflect anybody that Anna has worked with or I have worked with, so we want to make that clear. So uh, we'll jump right into it, Anna. Um, If you could just briefly, the cliche question we joked about, if you could just briefly tell us about your uh, college education, and was it that you had an MFA, Uh, just kind of where you went to school, so we sure. kind of have your background.
0: Sure, yeah. So I I went to school of visual arts in New York City, um, and it was I earned a BFA there, so a, a bachelor of fine arts, which is an interesting degree because I, I think anyways, because um, I think it's around it's over three quarters of your coursework is in your major when you when you do a BFA. Um, so mine was in film directing. So I, it's funny because, you know, a lot of times you hear the approach of, uh, you know, if you're going to go to school for something like film, well, you want to have something to fall back on. And uh, my thought on it was always that I don't want to have something to fall back on because my plan B would probably only detract from my plan A. So I wanted to so be as prepared cool. as I could for my plan it. A, <laughs> you know, um and so, anyway, so, yeah, so I went to School of Visual Arts and BFA in film directing. It was an incredible experience. Um, you know, I was really grateful to go to film school. Um, you know, and you hear sometimes, you know, people say things like, oh, don't go to film school. It's such a waste of money. And I understand the argument that, like, you could take all that money and go make a film. And that's true. Um, So I get that, but I also think that my, at least for me, my experience of film school was really, really important for me Um, because you know what, the focus that it brings to your education, like, you know, if you didn't go to film school, would you really read all those books? Would you really see all those movies? You might, you might not, but in my case, I think I needed that. Um, And in addition to that, I think, you know, the experience that I had of meeting other people, and I had some incredible teachers, I had some incredible experiences, I got to be a videographer for the actors studio for a couple of years, which meant that, you know, uh, once a week, I, you know, take my little video camera, and I'd go up to the actors studio where they were practicing their craft, and I got to observe, I got to be there, and um, that was an incredible opportunity. You know, I got to see Arthur Penn direct. I mean, it was just, it was, it was wild. Um, wow. Amongst many others. But yeah, it was really cool. And also because I was a student, I ended up becoming uh, a student member of the National Board of Review in New York City, which meant that I had not only the ability to see like every film that came out and in a beautiful screening room for free, um, but you know, when you're, you get to be a part of something like that, you know, usually the directors, the producers, the writers, the actors, are, they come and they talk about the films with you. So I had this incredible ability, or not ability, opportunity to be in this room and just listen to what people had to say. And I think, you know, the thing about film school is, is it provides other satellite opportunities as well that you may not get to have access to um you know so so i was really really grateful for my my opportunity to go to film school at school of visual arts um you know and and i got to say also because it was art school so you know there's film school there's art school i don't know what the difference is all i know <laughs> is that um for us you know we were taught like pretty much from day 1 that it's always the white box. Oh, and, you know, I should back up and say, when I first started at School of Visual Arts, I actually was studying painting. Um, I had gone to a small art school in, outside Chicago uh, when I was a little kid for a long time and just, you know, had learned. I'd always loved painting. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll go to school and learn how to, like, you know, really be a painter. And, um, and I fell in love with film you know, the first year that I was there, I had a friend said, Hey, do you want to act in my film? And uh, I said, sure. Cause I was, you know, excited about any kind of new opportunity and I'd never been on a film set before. And I'll never forget that day because I learned a couple of things. One is that I'm a terrible actor, <laughs> no business being in front of a camera. Uh, no, but number two really was that like, I, I, as I sat there in front of, this camera, I, I was looking at what was happening behind the camera, and I thought, whoa, oh, all these people come together in a collaborative way to make essentially the same thing I've been studying happen. You know, when you're a painter, you're dealing with the white box. And when you're a filmmaker, you're also dealing with the white box. But I loved the element of storytelling, and I loved the fact that it was collaborative. I loved that you, you couldn't really do it on your own, you had to come together as a, as a group of people essentially a family to make a film and I I thought that that was something that was attractive to me instantaneously so I ended up switching my major um, in order to study film but it's funny because though I I started as a painter and then became a filmmaker uh, you're still dealing with the same thing it's all the white box and what you choose to put into the white box you know Um, and I still find that's true today so um Yeah, I like I oh, like your analogy I mean? of
1: artists. As, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: <laughs> oh no, no. Um, I I like what you were saying. Just the key points there. Uh, of course, being so fortunate to go to film school myself was the just every day being immersed with other like minds, or minds that you don't like, um, and then. Uh, (laughs) just that whole idea I had a mentor at the time that used to say if you leave film school with four people that you that you will be talking to 15 years later you're ahead of the game and he wasn't being negative Mm -hmm. and and I was fortunate to leave with about six or seven that I still uh you know this one of them is one of the producers of this podcast and I've known him 18 years so it's so I'm always telling Mm -hmm. people it's yes the film school the time, but uh, you're not really going to meet those people that are with you each day, day in and day out, um, that are watching you. I mean, they're the ones that are going to help you. They're the ones that are going to, like you said, Mm -hmm. bring you on a gig, uh, expand your horizons. Uh, I I was just fortunate. I went to film school in Canada, and in my class, there was my good friend from Mexico. Uh, I had friends from boston and seattle and i was from hawaii so i was getting the whole spectrum of the u.s Mm. i was uh, had friends from korea switzerland so it was like this whole melting pot of also cultural experiences uh so that i think what you're saying is really uh does help with the white box and i'm going to steal that analogy if you don't mind i don't know if you have it copyrighted but um. Oh,
0: it's so <laughs> not mine. Actually, I should say that. You know, it's funny. I remember it, it, literally our very, very, very first day at School of Visual Arts. David Rhodes, who is the, I think to this day still the president of the college, I think, he stood up in front of all of the new students and he held up a white, like, white piece of paper, and he essentially said, "Here's your job." this is your job for the next four years is this, that's, that's what it is. And I never forgot that because it really, it was so simple, but true. Right. And, and there's
1: so many you know. ways, to, there's the millions of ways to do that. That's what, that was another reason I was telling the audience uh, that I had selected you for this, for this, because you do have such a wide range. You did do the formal schooling you have received a business education. Uh, and a lot of people, uh, you know, as we both know, are fortunate that either they just get film school and then five years later, they're no disrespect, they're on that plan B. And I really love what you said about the plan A, plan B, because to this day, its I still hear sometimes people say, what's your plan B? And I say, you know, figuring out how to make plan A work.
0: So yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah. I think
1: there's that, you know, doctors are passionate and everyone's passionate, mm-hmm. but it's like only filmmakers understand that whole idea of, uh, to in my opinion mm-hmm. and artists of, you know, musicians too. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to basically sit in my room and figure out how to do it. Um, yeah. What I what I wanted to jump to, uh, and uh, feel free to be as brief as you want, so we can uh, save time for some of those great stories. But I was interviewing a, an actor one time that is of the uh, level and caliber of of some of the people you've worked with, and I was interviewing him on a red carpet, so it was one of those quick thirty second things, and I said what was your favorite lesson? And he said to me, well, lesson for me or lesson for others. And then he joked with me and said, come on, you got to be prepared. And it was so, and he was, he wasn't meaning to make me feel bad because we laughed, but it was, uh, he had thrown me off because he said he liked the name of our show. And I was like, did you just say you like the name of our show? Like, people pay you thousands of dollars to say that? Like, so it was this great moment of he really was saying. be. So I'm saying that was great the way you said you would like to be prepared. So that in itself is a great answer. Um, Yeah. Since since you said you had uh, shot some of the uh, actors' studio, I would like to tie that in to, uh, let's see. Well, first we'll go with, since we're going to indie uh how was that for you uh i mean run fast um l train and correct me if i if i'm wrong i remember was one character so uh run fast you had two and then run fast you got to work with an actor who was very experienced was there kind of a point where you were sitting down as a director and you thought you know oh my gosh i got to I got to go all the way back to my toolbox of sitting in those acting rooms. Like uh, I really got to bring something here. The script's great and, and he likes it, but what what's a process like that jumping in the ring with an actor of that caliber?
0: Well, it's funny you said, you know, I've, I've got to bring something and I'll, I'll, so, I, was, I wrote a script in which I, I dreamed about getting to work with Robert Forrester, and I didn't. <laughs> when that dream came true, I was really scared because I, he's somebody I respect so much, and he's, he's truly just great. And, and he was nothing but kind. And he couldn't have been more kind to me. Um, But nevertheless, I was scared, I think, because as a young and far less experienced director uh, than he's used to working with, you know, you fear that you will be inadequate. You fear that, at least I did. Um, And so I think my initial instinct was, what am I going to bring here that's going to be, you know... How do I accommodate or how do I compensate for that? And what I think I learned is that I shouldn't try to compensate for that. I really just needed to be myself. And that sounds maybe perhaps pretty obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me in the beginning (laughs) Uh, because there was no way I was going to magically have years and years' worth of experience suddenly. That's not something I could do. All I could do was bring me, you know, and so that's one thing that I I learned, and uh, that was an experience that I'm you know I will forever be grateful that I got to have, if only I mean for many reasons, but if only for that reason, because I think it you know at the end of the day, you um, it's what you have. Your biggest asset is is who you are in honesty, and if you can be honest with an actor that you're working with, then you're halfway there. You know, you got it. You've got to have that. You can't. You can't fake it ever, with any member of your crew or any you know anyone you're working with. You've got it, and it's funny because as a director, you know, you're supposed to be the leader, and and that's important. You must be, and yet at the same time, there are going to be times where you have to say, "I don't know. I'm not sure yet about that." You got. I, I believe that. You know, some people will tell you that you've got to have an answer for everything. I don't believe that. I believe you've got to be honest about everything.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it. That's totally, uh, one of my film school teachers said to me, it's better to say in the exact moment you don't know than to be fired at the end of the day or, <laughs> uh, have caused some kind of budgetary problem or the location being burned or so. Yeah, I really, I, uh, some of the stuff you're saying, I, I kind of got in, in different versions. And I really, um, as we're talking here about some of your indie stuff, uh, was really um, not that I thought any less because I, like you said, the honesty and I'm a firm believer in good films come from good people. Now, of course, we have our examples. But uh, the majority, uh, especially in doing this show, if I've seen a screener or seeing a film and then meet the director they're nine times out of ten just wonderful to talk to and so when you had uh set it up for me to see run fast before palm springs um which it was so wonderful to see on the big screen as well um I kind of just knew you were gonna you know pull it off I didn't think okay well you know Mr. Forrester signed a contract so of course the film's finished and it's out and I wasn't looking at how well it did on the festival circuit, but I just knew based on how you are as a person and also to the way you've been this, you have been the same. We met in actually March of 2010. Um, And you're, to me, you're still the, I mean, other than that we all grow and change a little bit, you're still the same uh, Anna and that's, so important, like you were saying, keeping the honesty with your crew, with who you work with, Um, and would it be okay with you right now if I told that story real quick? Sure, please do. Okay, yeah, yeah, so basically Anna and I met on The Descendants, which was filmed on my home island of Kauai, and uh, I had met Anna, Anna was uh, planning an event, and because I was from the island had asked me about, uh, she was asking me about these two different sushi places. And we just got mm-hmm. to talking and we started talking about Scorsese, which is funny because I feel like any time filmmakers meet, that seems to be the starting point. And <laughs> it was just, it was just really cool because there was just this instant understanding and, and the, the really great thing. And another reason why I wanted to bring Anna on this milestone episode was because, uh, I'm very seldom open about my private life on this show, but I was basically at the end of my career. I was, I, I had been in car wrecks and it was just devastated emotionally. And I just thought I'll PA this film. And then at the end of the week, I'm off to find plan B, I guess. And <laughs> it was, it was Anna and the crew and, uh, some other people involved with the film that provided me with lessons and just little tiny things to kind of show uh, you do have something to offer. You know, you're not just a PA. um, You know some stuff about film. And that kind of, I left that show thinking, sure, I still got a lot of physical and emotional and mental healing to do, but uh, I belong in in this place. And so, really, I think Anna, if you and I were standing there that day, and someone came up and said, "Hey," in uh, in eight years, you guys will be um, doing, <laughs> you know, the milestone 300th episode of of the Paul's Talk Show. I think it would have just kind of been like, "Oh, you know, we don't, we haven't even known each other five minutes." So I really <laughs> always thought that was special. And there was, and I and I think, uh, you know, we've all had those people who have either inspired us to go to the next level or given us the inspiration to uh, to go after a project we didn't know if we could. So uh, that was one of the biggest reasons why why I thought of Anna because I, I really have no idea where it would have went because all due respect, I mean, I was down to writing DVD reviews for a very small newspaper and I totally respect that editor because it got me here but just in that moment it's like all I do each week is tell people what I think of a DVD like this is where my career ended up so uh, no. it was a very enlightening experience of course I suggest The Descendants it's the best depiction of my home island uh, the filmmakers you would have thought they grew up there so that's why I suggest it Google it we don't need to get into who starred in it and all that stuff Um So that leads me to, uh, of course, you got to spend some time on uh, some studio films and working closely with uh, some of the people that make them. So I'll let you take that over, how you'd like to explain your role and uh, any of the films so you can put it the way you feel comfortable.
0: Sure. So... Well, for the last, going on, 13 years, uh, I've been an assistant to uh, filmmaker Alexander Payne, and um, I've been incredibly fortunate to have that experience. Um, To be in that role is, you know, if you use your powers of observation, always uh, an experience you'll learn from, Uh, in, in my case, so as, as an assistant, you're sort of the, you can be at times, the connective tissue uh, between the director and various crew members. And, you know, and I should say my job shifts and changes uh, depending on whether we are in development, production, post, um, or in the publicity phase of of a film. You know, so I'm, but, I, but I'm there for all of those different phases and that's pretty cool too but you know when you're in production you you tend to be like i said sort of the connective tissue between the director and various other crew members because there's so as a director you get asked a billion questions a day you know and um so part of my job can be at times finding out the questions relaying the answers, you know, so that puts you in a very, very, you have a really interesting vantage point because you get to hear the questions asked and you get to hear the answers. Um, So couldn't be a better place to observe from if you want to direct. And so I've been really lucky. And then naturally over time my role expanded. Um, You know, it's funny, you know, there's the old joke. uh, What do you give your assistant instead of, a raise well an associate producer credit <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> and I was quite aware of that, <laughs> of that you know and I in all honesty I always felt like I never wanted to seek a title that wasn't genuine um right. and also you know for me look the, for me the meat and potatoes is that I get to learn and observe from a filmmaker that I respect and um that to me is why I was there. I was never there for like, you know, you're not, you're not doing that job for the money or for the title or anything, but you know, naturally over time, because I I had done this job for such a long period of time, I got to really know Alexander as a filmmaker. And so, um, eventually my role did sort of naturally evolve. And so on downsizing, which is his most recent film. Um, I have an associate producer credit, which I'm very grateful for. And, um, yeah, it's been an experience that I couldn't. <laughs> I, I'm trying to summarize, and I can't ever summarize because it's just been it's been pretty extraordinary. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. Oh no, no, you
1: totally did. Uh, with with something that can jump into a little bit more whatever you want to talk about about being an associate producer, some things that evolve. Uh, um, I know what I loved about The Descendants that it also gave to me was uh, I'd only been a PA four or five times, but I had produced multiple independent projects. And I always felt like you don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to scream. You don't have to argue. You don't have to put the crew in a weird position. And I feel like it's not a coincidence that the project that kept me going was my final kind of like proof in the experiment of you can be Alexander Payne. You can have the respect, the notoriety, the et cetera, and you can still be nice, still say hello to crew members. You can still not just talk to the leading actor and then walk by the key grip. Like he's not as known as you And I remember just kind of seeing that, being like, you know what? I I always thought this was possible. And I just didn't know if it was just this weird concoction dream of mine. So it was like Mm -hmm. seeing it, it was like, yes. And then, of course, being a Mm -hmm. fan myself, I remember the day my friend took me to election. I remember saying, who the hell is Alexander Payne? What, Matthew Broderick has a teacher? What? what, why are we going to the art house cinema? And so for me, it was that whole kind of full circle of just seeing it as a, uh, as a, as a fan and then getting to, uh, to work. Um, And the only thing I I will say, cause there's so many things that are private was that just one time when I walked by him, he said hi to me and I kind of thought for a second, there was someone else around named Paul and I looked around, and there was no one and i I go, "Oh, he was talking to me and it was it was just that real like the illusion the myth the all that stuff that we bring to it. it was like I said, oh hi, you know and and I just thought that's pretty cool and um so having yeah. that you uh i mean obviously there's too much uh too little time to go into what was descendants evolved into uh nebraska but uh, whatever you'd be willing to share that uh was kind of the difference in contribution to downsizing uh, uh we would love to hear about it
0: yeah so let me go back for a second to oh yeah 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 to what you so it's it's funny i I've, I've said this before and it always i feel like uh this could this could sound, um, you know, I don't care how it sounds. It's the truth. I <laughs> working for Alexander. You know, I've learned a lot about who I want to be as a filmmaker, but I've learned more about who I want to be as a person. Uh-huh. And and eventually, you, you come to see that they're they're kind of one and the same. Uh, and I really mean that. So that that's been a great lesson to me. And also, I would say, you know. He was a hero of mine long before I had the fortune of getting to work for him. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. You, you, you get to see and observe how he, like he and Jim Taylor are writing. And, you know, the first thing that I, I noticed is they work really hard. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. They're brilliant. But they work very hard, you know. And I think that's something that's it's a little bit um, – you, know, you, you tend to think that the people who you respect and, and who are great at what they do, like it's just something that magically happens, you know. And um, what I've been able to observe over time is the, the incredible amount of work that gets put into things, the, the commitment, and like genuinely being dedicated to what you are doing. Um, it, it's a vocation. It's not a hobby. It's not something you do for a living. It's a vocation. And, um, that's been an incredible sight to see. And I've been really fortunate.
1: Well, no, that's Um, such, I really like that you mentioned that. That was, thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah. That that type of
1: person. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead.
0: Oh, oh, no, go ahead, please.
1: Oh yeah, no. uh, The, I just want to say real quickly was, uh, of course it's common knowledge. So I'm not saying anything private that uh mr faden Papa Michael uh is the cinematographer of the last few films of uh, mr. Payne and I was fortunate enough to interview uh he told me to call him faden and I still don't like calling him faden uh for a <laughs> magazine but I, I remember on uh when you were talking about how hard they work it was funny because of course far more than I you know his demeanor and i said can i can i it was the day I had wrapped. I said can I just ask you a question he kind of looked at me like why are you acting like that? that's such a big deal I said how did you get those lens flares in sideways when they're having a picnic and he said I turned the camera on and I thought he was joking <sighs> I said no no really like those lens flares are just people talk about it people that don't even like sideways talk about it and he just said um I don't know what to tell you you're looking you know in, in the faded way And and then I remember he went outside and he invited me outside and he told me some stories. I won't say what they are, but I just remember I said to him, this is this is very nice of you and thank you. And I remember he said, thank you for what? And I said, for telling me these stories. And he just looked at me and he said, one day you'll have stories, share them. And so that really uh, tied into what Mm -hmm. you were saying about the kind of person was I just thought yeah, you know what, I hope someday that I'm someone who's contributing and who maybe someone comes up to me and they want to ask me something about something I did and I can just be like, yeah, you know, just you share the story and then you ask them why they're acting like it's a big deal to ask a question. Um, mm-hmm. But that demeanor and that kindness. So with that, of course, Faden, mm-hmm. uh beautiful cinematography and, and incredible uh, uh Uh, stuff and downsizing Um, so I think that can segue us back into anything that you wanted to say about your uh, participation uh, being the associate producer or has
0: one sure Um, well specifically I want to answer your question so specifically about are you asking about just overall what the experience was like or I'm not sure I know that. What's the, tell me the question. Oh, Sorry. oh um,
1: uh, the 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 experience or anything that you can share that was different from when you were assistant uh, that that you well, can speak of.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, here's the, here's the thing. Um, while I was working on downsizing, the almost the entire time I was working on the film. I was just simply working as Alexander's assistant, and you know and that's the thing is it's not like that wasn't like some title that was you know deferred upon me um conferred upon me it, i i um, I just did my job. <laughs> right, and I know right, that sounds right. silly but like that's really that's really it I just simply did my job and then naturally my role sort of evolved into an expansive or it expanded into a place where I I had some more responsibility um, but that was a function not of me having become an associate producer or something it was just I worked as Alexander's assistant and as a function of just simply doing my job and on a film that was of this size and scope. I mean, we shot in four cities and the experience of working on downsizing was while at once the greatest education, it was not easy. This was not an easy shoot um, for many reasons. Um, It was, it was quite a challenge. And because of that, um, I think naturally Because of that and also because of the fact that I've been doing my job for a very long time and I came to understand and be able to anticipate, um, you know, the the needs of the director. And, and you know, my job is to, in in any way I possibly can, support him so that he can do his job. And also you, you are kind of the shock absorber in a way you know, your job is to sort of be the shock absorber so that none of that affects the director and the director can just focus on directing, you know. And um, I think it's, like I said, it's just something that sort of naturally happened that my role would become a little more expansive because of the experience that I had had and because of the size and scope of the film. Um,
1: oh, okay, so so basically it wasn't, and we also wanted to talk about this on the show today to debunk that myth that, like you had said, it's the raise, or they say when it's a writer that wants a producer credit but they won't give him one, or uh, and there is yeah. that big myth around it. Um, but yes, with downsizing, it was uh, for Alexander Payne fans, or if you get the joy that you're discovering him now because. He's been around for over 20 years, just over 20 years, that you can go back now and watch. I can't sit through Citizen Ruth because they colorized it on Prime and stuff. So I feel bad for people that I think it should be illegal to colorize films. Uh, the It just makes no sense colorized. I, I can't even believe it. Like I get like 10 minutes <sighs> into it and I'm just like, eh. Sorry, you, wait,
0: are you talking about Citizen? You're talking about are we talking about downsizing? I mean, uh, no, no. <laughs> I
1: was mentioning for people for, for people who are just discovering uh, Alexander Payne because we're now twenty years into his career that that I would say start with Election because Citizen Ruth is now colorized, so you don't get that black and white. Uh, but to go through Election to About mm-hmm. Schmidt to Sideways and enjoy this now because I keep forgetting we never ask guests guest age, but I keep forget. Oh, sorry. Good.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Just I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. But Citizen Ruth was shot in color.
1: Oh, I'm so confused. I swore I'd. Oh, it's the <laughs> okay. box that's black and white. Okay, you know what? I'm. That shows you how. That's so funny. When I. I guess that shows you maybe I watch too many films. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for letting me know that because I, I for some reason thought I would seen it in black and white once, and so I was getting so frustrated oh, wow. at it. So thank you for telling me that because now it, I can sit sit through it again.
0: It'd be an um, interesting film in black and white.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, well please feel fr- feel free to pass the idea along. Um, the <laughs> I I was you know I was introduced it was funny I was on a date uh, I I had forgot about election because that couple of years that four years or so, and I was on a date and she said, let's see about Schmidt. And I thought, well, you know what? I kind of remember them. You know, election was funny. And then as we both know about Schmidt, just goes so depressing so fast. And so it was just like Mm -hmm. probably one of the worst date nights, even though we just really liked each other. And when (sighs) Sideways came around, I mean, that was the biggest buzz. And then now we have the whole, it's just a misogynistic thing. But I think it captured. I mean, I'm not afraid to say I'm Miles. I mean... That scene when he's saying, when they're eating breakfast, we laugh because this, this, will, this will explain to you how I was when I met you. That famous scene when he's eating breakfast and he says, you're teaching to eighth graders. I would go and talk at the, at the elementary school about film. He said, they ought to be reading your stuff. And I had a friend who would always say, they got to be watching your films. And then he would say, mm. "And what's that stuff you're on, Lexapro?" And I was on Lexapro, so that was mm. why I was like, "I mean, I didn't beat myself up as much as Paul Giamatti does." No, I did. I, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. You said honest. I'm being honest. So I always thought that was just. I watched Sideways and I laughed because I'm just like, God, did I? No wonder my friends were getting mad at me. Like I was really acting pathetic. <laughs> like um and then of course the descendants was it's impossible for me to not like because it's home and then nebraska my dad's from the midwest um so uh so yeah so back to downsizing if there's if there's anything else you wanted to say because i was going to say it was the most uh in my opinion uh not that nebraska was an easy shoot we both know all film shoots are hard but when i saw that i thought oh my gosh this is such a jump from from nebraska and just the characters and the sets just being a house or a car or a hospital so uh for you what was that scope and looking down the barrel you know and seeing that
0: so if i can just for one second jump back sideways and then I'll I'll jump forward again. Um, It's just really interesting to me what you said, because there's, you know, I've always looked at sideways and it's not that it's not a comedy, but there are times in that movie where I've been in a theater and I I hear people laughing and, and I'm not laughing uh, because I think there, there are also this thing that's so poignant about that film is that there are moments of great, there's great sadness in that film as well. And, and I also think that's what, what makes it, when you do laugh, that's why you're laughing. You know, you can, I laughed and cried at the same time watching that film, which is, I mean, that's an, that, that doesn't happen. Um, doesn't happen often. And so it's very interesting. And I, I think that, you know, it is, uh, Miles is an incredibly relatable character. <laughs> yeah. and so it's just very funny to me. It's always been interesting sitting in a theater watching that film because you know, you'll see people laughing, and I—I there's times where I'm like, I'm not laughing. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But then there's but then there's also times where I'm the only one laughing. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's so,
1: such a great experience.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, anyways, but jumping forward uh, to downsizing again. Yeah, you know. So that was the first screenplay. Pretty sure that was the first screenplay that I ever read a piece of when I first began working for Alexander, like that they had written. And, um, and I remember thinking, wow, if I get to work on this film, wow, like what could be a greater experience? And little did I know that it was going to take, you know, uh, an additional 12 years, and here I, here I was. But it was wow. a film that was in, it's incredibly ambitious, And I think also, this is, you know, just my my take on it, but I think that it's a film that's very confronting. And I also think it's a film that's prophetic. And those are are two things that make it not necessarily easy for people to, um, well, to to watch. Uh, But I think that, I, I think it's a brilliant film. I really do, and and I, I'll say this: it's it's been interesting watching the experience of how the film has been seen and uh, perceived. Um, I have to admit, it's been quite a surprise for me personally because I, I really believe in the film. I really do, um, and it's been interesting to see that you know it's it's the one film that Alexander's made that hasn't received you know a reception that's you know, the reception's been a little tough at times, to be really honest about it. And um, but I still really believe in the film. I really do. And I think there are things in that film that you'll never see in any other film. And it's also interesting because, you know, we've, one of the things that we've he- I've heard is like, oh, well, it's like two films, you know, and then the second half is a little dark. Well, maybe that's true. I kind of think that's the genius of the film uh that's just my opinion but you know and and also i am aware that like you know i've worked on this film for a very long time so of course you know it's not like you like there's no bias on my behalf <laughs> you know it's a <laughs> film that i've seen a million times you know um and it's and it's really dear to me um i can only say what i really think and that's what i really think uh i really think it's a brilliant film I just do uh, i think it's confronting and I think it asks inc- really important questions that aren't easy to answer.
1: Oh, yes. I mean, that but, was, but that, that's be, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I will forever be extremely proud to have worked on that film.
1: Yes. And for, uh, for those of you out there, you can check it out. It's now on prime for, uh, rent or buy and, uh, of course, I I always see Election on Prime, and I've never seen About Schmidt or Sideways. I've seen Nebraska pop up on Netflix. I actually own um, all of them, except now that we're deprived of DVD. I don't own uh, Downsizing. I own all of his films. I I felt the exact same way as you. Uh, My mother and I pretty much have the same film taste, and when we walked out, we were just like, that's confronting, and that's great. And also, when you say the two films, and the the last part is dark, it's kind of like, well, that's life. Like, Monday could be the, you know, like right now with uh, what's going on with me. It's like I had a seven-day period where every day I was supposed to be at a friend's premiere or a film festival or a private screening, and instead I was in a hospital bed watching movies I had already seen on, the, on demand. Mm-hmm. So it was like, this wasn't what April 7th through uh you know april you know whatever the seven days was and i was just thinking like oh yeah this festival's going on oh yeah my friend's advanced screening is going on and so it was kind of uh so for me downsizing was uh first of all i just loved that it was nothing like what i was going to expect which i which we both know you always get from a from from an alexander Payne film and then also um what I what I want to ask that leads into downsizing was, uh, and again, not about them personally, but their craft, common knowledge who the stars are, that the Descendants, uh, Mr. Clooney, the Nebraska's Mr. Dern, and uh, downsizing, downsizing is Matt Damon. Uh, is there something you could speak to of seeing uh, three different actors who actually were the top of their generation in separate generations, uh, whether it be acting style or just how it was to see that. I mean, that, cause that in itself to me would be a crazy lesson would be to see those three doing the dance and the different ways they do it.
0: Yes. Okay, so can I jump back again one more time? Oh, yeah, no, of, one yeah, of, yeah, one no, of you night. want. It's all and good. And then I'll we're, jump We're just having coffee here.
1: Okay. It's all good. <laughs> cool.
0: Okay, so <laughs> the other thing about downsizing, the beautiful thing about that film, there's many beautiful things, I think, but I really appreciate getting to see a film. The climax of that film is not... Um, it's not violence it's not even anger it's 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 kindness and getting to see a film that resolves itself in that way where the character well yes there you know the character definitely is confronted with great challenges and it's not but the, that character Ultimately, the the catharsis is is he comes to a place of hope because he finds kindness within himself. Um. I will always appreciate a film that puts that into the world, and we don't oh, yeah. see that very often. You know, we we don't. We see films that you know. I I don't. I was thinking about this, and I don't know. If I'd have to think, I'm pretty sure, I don't think Alexander's ever had a gun in any of his films. Uh, I can't think of... I'm I'm thinking about it now, because I'm I'm thinking... Yeah, yeah, as far as I can recall, I don't think... Yeah,
1: the most violent act would probably be...
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, like there's a, you know, there's the scene with the top of the toilet lid. There's but you know I don't maybe in that movie there might be somewhere but like for all intents and purposes he hasn't there's no guns in his movies and that really says something about the kind of movies that that he's making and about what's being put into this world and uh, I respect that
1: yeah I was going to say the most violent act is probably when Thomas Hayden Church gets a helmet thrown at his head um (laughs) And so and you know, that (laughs) hotel was funny because I was on a road trip and we pulled into the windmill and the guy said it was like one in the morning. The guy said, What do you do? I had made a few indie features that were in Hollywood video. I said, Oh, I've I produced some movies. Oh, what did you make? I said, They're just action horror movie. You know, they're in Hollywood video blockbuster. And he said, Oh, there was this big movie crew here uh, a couple weeks ago and I don't know much, but there was just something where some girl was throwing a helmet at a guy and, and some short <laughs> bald guy with a tummy like had problems and he'd sit in the pool and write. And, and I was just thinking, okay, well, that really sounds interesting. <laughs> like. And uh, so when I saw it, I go, Oh, Hey, you know, we we were staying on the other side. Cause of course, you know, as film geeks. I had to look for, you know, what room it was and, I hadn't seen it yet. And so after I saw it, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, now I get where they are. And, and, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of like, I, it was again, that myth of this, this, uh, like, you know, Hollywood was in town and Greta Garbo came by and, and so, uh, yeah, sideways, just, I tell people they gotta, it's, there's just been so many things said and written about, uh, you know, knocking men and the misogyny, and I and I just think it captured so many things so well. It captured the reality of what goes on and the the tonics of man and woman and relationships and divorce and and I and I don't I don't judge it in in any way. So that that's one of those films where I just kind of go, you know, what, if if you want to turn this into something to argue, like you said, it's just something and like downsizing there's just admirable stuff being put in the world it's not it's not malice it's not i mean even when miles apologizes for lying it wasn't like he was like okay well get out of my car and Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i'm I'm gonna chew on that and uh i i wish uh you know if my dvd player wasn't broken because you're making me want to go back and watch some of these scenes again uh now that we've Mm -hmm. talked about it um unfortunately I know we're coming up on our last like four minutes here and um, as always, we're so grateful that you were, you were here for 300. So in this last few minutes, if, if there's anything just that that you would like to say to uh, uh, to wrap up, I I usually just kind of open the floor to guests.
0: I'd like to say, thank you. Thanks for what you do. You know, cause I I really think that, what you do, you know, it's funny. I was thinking I, I'm in a position as when you work as an assistant, you get to ask questions and you get, to, you get to hear questions that are asked and you get to hear the answers. And it's funny. I was thinking you kind of do the same thing. You seek out people and you learn from them. And I also think that in doing so, you help other people learn, you know, who may not necessarily be standing in that same spot we all have the ability to learn because of what you do. So uh, I'd like to simply say thank you to you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate that. And you're dead on because I I sometimes feel like I get a free master's class because I've just had, mm-hmm. I, I've had guests like you and I've had students where they're telling me something and I go, wow, you, you never made a film and you thought of that? Or I've had uh, just the the whole gambit and I've and sometimes I kind of shut it off I go wow there's people that would have paid for that seminar or you know set that up months in advance and I got to just also kind of moderate it too so I got to lead what I wanted to learn and not so uh thank you very much for that compliment because we we have been kind of using the show to explore opinions of myself or our producers and then also give the Give the guest a chance to um speak openly and not have to worry about you know being judged or did they say the right thing to the right reporter and so yes yeah, i i I very much appreciate that uh compliment and hey, thank you for uh keeping me from plan b um, <laughs> that's well uh... oh, I wish
0: I could take credit for that, but I think the credit for that uh lies with you. <laughs>
1: So yeah, no, I, I
0: do.
1: I, yeah, it's uh maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll split it. You have to at least take ten percent. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, I take ten percent. <laughs> so
0: yeah, ha-
1: yeah. Um, as always, uh, of course I will. I will get this to you once it's up and uh, Yay, we're. That's my mother yelling in the background. Yay, three <laughs> hundred! <laughs> so Yay. I guess she. Yeah, yay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> i awesome. say she doesn't understand the logic of rolling sound. That would have just been cut and some PA would have got fired. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> so yeah, uh you you have a wonderful day and I look forward to uh thank chatting you. with you soon and um thank you. and yeah, just all around, you know yeah. me. What Aloha to you.
0: Aloha to you and Mahalo. Uh, oh, question for you?
1: Yes, 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 Or
0: should we talk? Should we talk oh, offline? No. Or does it matter? No, if,
1: if you have a if you have a question, it's up to you. If you want to, or if you okay. want to talk well, offline, yeah, we can was, do that. I,
0: yeah, let's let's talk offline. Can you hang up and just call me back? Oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do
1: that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll call you back in a few. Okay. I'll just wrap up. All right, perfect. Okay, great. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, and we are. Wrapping up 300, thank you to Anna for joining us. Thank you to, there's so many people to thank. I can't thank enough. Uh, The guests, the supporters, the PR reps, the festivals. I would have to spend another hour thanking people. But to our producers, uh, my parents, Carolyn and Richard, Rob, uh, Wayne, Jim, uh, Michi, even though sadly you're no longer with us, Sharon. 300, amen, aloha, most of all, spread some peace today. Take care. And watch a good movie. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. We're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine, beer, and spirits.
0: 8,000 different wines, 2,500 different beers, 3,000 spirits.
1: Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Come explore at our seven Bay Area locations. Now open in San Mateo at the Bridgepoint Shopping Center near Target. Shop online at
0: TotalWine.com. dot com. dot com. dot com. 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 com.